Kia ora everyone. Well, how amazing is that story? My heart just sort of filled as I heard Jamie speaking. I, I could picture that so vividly, the, the, the little boy looking at the frosted glass and seeing the scary shapes behind it. And I love the wisdom that God gave Jamie's mum, not just to say that was nothing, but to lean into that and say, you know what, there is something dark in the world. There's even something dark in our nature. And the Bible tells us that that dark thing is sin, but the good news of Christianity is that we can be saved from it. We can be set free from it. And God can just completely transform our lives in this thing we call salvation. And that is what we've been talking about in this series. And as Jamie's mentioned, we've had two messages so far. The first one was from Simon a couple of weeks ago on predestination. And the big idea there is that God chose us. He chose us before the creation of the world to be saved. And the work of salvation is purely his doing. It is not something we earn. It's not something we deserved. It is something he extends to us in an act of grace, as an act of unmerited favor. And then last week we heard from Jenny and she talked about justification, which is a wonderful word. I love all of these vacation kind of words, you know, or predestination. That's not a vacation word, is it? But, you know, you're getting the vibe. Predestination, justification means to be declared righteous, declared morally pure, declared upright, declared good in the sight of God. And today we have sanctification. And we're going to talk about what sanctification means and how we partner in the work of sanctification that God performs in our lives. So let's take it from the top and say, well, what does it mean to be sanctified? And we're going to start with a scripture in 1 Corinthians. It says this, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So to be sanctified means to be made pure. It means to be washed. And the first lesson I want us to take from this piece of scripture is that it is a completed work. Just as you've been justified, just as the work of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross, his death for you completed the work of justification, you have also been sanctified in a past tense kind of way. It is a completed work. You have been washed. You have been made pure in the sight of God if you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What does that mean? It means when he looks at your slightest moral failing, in fact, he, he doesn't see it anymore. It means that he doesn't even see your worst failures ever anymore. When he looks at you, he sees his son and he sees his righteousness, which is given to you. Your status in heaven is perfect. Now, that is the great news, right? I mean, hallelujah, it is done. It is complete. It's, it's, you know, I am pure. You are pure if you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You are sanctified. You are washed. But, of course, we will continue to struggle with sin. And this is where it sort of starts to do your head in a bit. Just like Jamie said, we can feel a bit frustrated. I don't feel like I'm making the kind of progress I want. And we do these bad things. We still desire to do bad things. And we do do those things. And the good news is, is that God sees that and he isn't done. He isn't done with us in the moment that we place our trust in him. In fact, in many ways, that is just the beginning of a work of sanctification because sanctification, being sanctified, is not just something that is complete. It is a lifelong process that God undertakes in our lives. 
And this is where we come back to the anchor verses for this whole series in Romans 8, and 8 28 and 29, which say this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So those he predestined, he, he chose to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That is a reference to the process of sanctification, to be changed day after day after day, to be more like Jesus. That's what we're talking about. You know, it's kind of like a back-to-front race. It's kind of like someone comes up to you and gives you a medal and says, congratulations, you did it. You're finished. And you're like, well, I haven't done anything. And that's right, you haven't. The good news is Jesus did it for you. But you get given the medal. And then God says, now go run the race. And so it's complete. You are justified. You're declared righteous. You are washed. It's done. But now he calls us to participate in a process of lifelong sanctification too. And so we're going to grapple with this a bit further and ask, how do we live with all of that? Because it's quite a lot to take on, right? How do we have a right perspective of ourselves, this idea that we are made pure, but we still struggle with sin, we want to overcome it, and we want to have a right mindset about it. And we're going to base ourselves largely in Romans chapter 6. But before I dip into that, I just want to give you a little bit of context. So Paul, in this letter, is just before the piece we're about to read, is talking about the Jewish law, the law that God gave to the Israelites through his servant Moses. And Paul explains that, well, something it's a, it's a little bit counterintuitive, actually. He explains that the law was powerless to make us good. And he says here that actually it caused sin to increase. So having this great set of rules about, about good things to do, ironically, didn't make the people good. It only makes us more conscious of sin. There's something about having all of these things written down that makes us see how far we fall short. And actually seeing those rules cause something, causes something to well up, well up in us. It's kind of this resentment, like, oh, I don't like being told what to do. And so the, the law actually produces in us, it calls out, it elicits all of these evil desires that, that are in our nature. It reveals how far we fall short. But the good news, Paul says, is that where sin increased as a result of the law, God's grace increased all the more because he sent his son to pay the price for all the bad things we've ever done. That's where we're going to pick it up here. So Paul says this, having explained that, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now you can see he's kind of seeing through, he's getting ahead of the logic here. Oh, hang on. If my sin sort of amplifies the grace of God, maybe I should just go on sinning. Somebody is, might be looking for a loophole here and he wants to put the record straight really, really quick. He says this, by no means, by no means, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Now get this, this is important. The death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lived, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah, was there ever a better piece of scripture? Sin shall no longer be your master. You are no longer under law. You are no longer condemned by a set of rules and regulations that just show up how bad you are. You're under grace. You're under God's wonderful, unmerited favor. And nothing can change that. And so Paul says here, because you are under grace, don't use grace as an excuse to indulge the sinful nature. He says, let's give our lives to God. He really wants us to go a different way. In other words, don't take your hands off the wheels of your life. Don't say that because God has completed the work of salvation. Well, I can just sit back, wait to die and go to heaven. He wants more for you. He wants more for you. Now, Paul says here, you may have noticed he said, we have been baptized into the death of Christ. We have been united with him in his death. And what that means is when you're baptized, a person gets dunked under the water, right? And that is symbolic of them dying. But in a spiritual sense, they have died with Christ. They have laid down their life. And in a spiritual sense, as they are brought up out of the water, they are brought to life with Christ again. And that act of baptism, it, it demonstrates outwardly what has already happened in the, in the moment that we give our lives to Lord Jesus. And it is so powerful. And Paul draws on it here to show us again, hey, something profound has happened in your life. And you are no longer a slave to sin. Just as death no longer has mastery over, over the Lord Jesus Christ, once he rose from the dead, death couldn't do anything to him anymore. It no longer had control over him in the same way because you've been united with him in his death, sin no longer has mastery over you. And the good news here is that not only are we declared righteous in the sight of God, but God puts his Holy Spirit in us and he gives us the power to live differently. Your nature is fundamentally changed. And so while we continue to struggle with sin, it, its stronghold on our lives has been broken. We have the desire to do what's right and we have the strength to do what's right by the grace of God, by his Holy Spirit. We can do it. That is the promise of scripture. And so God, in light of all of this, the scripture is very, very powerful on this. 
God wants us to partner with him in this work of sanctification, of being transformed to be more like Jesus in our character every single day. And in the Gospels, the, the Lord Jesus says this, it gives us a really clear picture of just how ardently we should apply ourselves to this task. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Now, does he mean that literally? No, but he is giving us a really clear sense of just how much we should fight sin in our lives. We should go to great lengths to get rid of it. In fact, when I think of the scripture, I paraphrase it in my mind as go to war with sin. Go to war with sin. Don't be casual about it. Don't be blasé about it. Go to war with it. Uh, later in the book of Romans, Paul writes this. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. It's not the most charming opening. I'll grant him that, right? You're a little bit dumb, but I'm going to be simple about it for you, okay? For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, so that's presenting your body, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, that you are just completely out of control. So now present your members, present your body as slaves to righteousness, leading to, there it is, that word, sanctification. Be slaves to righteousness, he says. Slaves, go to war with it. Be a slave to goodness. Get after it. And so this is extreme. This is not casual. This is passionate and wholehearted living faith for God. And we play an active part. Uh, we, we see this again. There's a really nice picture here of how we work with God in this work of sanctification. And, and it's in the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Uh, it says this. Therefore, my dear friends, Paul, he's changed his tone a little bit here. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God, for it is God, listen to that, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, when, when it says work out your salvation, let's just be really clear, it's not meaning figure it out or try to achieve it. It's meaning work it through. It's mean kind of like push it into every nook and cranny of your life, into every corner of your character, every, every fiber of your being. Seek to apply that, that, that salvation through. Make it complete. Work with God in this act. And when it says do it with fear and trembling, it doesn't mean to be afraid in the sense of being afraid of judgment. It means be in reverent awe of, the, of what God is doing in your life and pay attention to it and see it spread through everything you are. Now, clearly we, we should take this whole thing really seriously, this act of salvation. God is calling us out in the most quite extreme terms, right? Go to war with sin. How do you do it? How do you do that practically? Well, the author of Hebrews has this, this wonderful thing to say. He says... Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now, I love this verse because we all feel a bit vulnerable to sin at times. We know its power. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, if you've been a human for any length of time, you know what is tugging on you, this nature that you have. It's pulling you in one direction. And we 
man, how do you overcome it? And you, feel, you can feel vulnerable. And so I like this reference to feeble arms and weak knees. It's, a, it's speaking to that vulnerability. But the advice here is wonderful. It says, make level paths for your feet. Now, you can imagine if you have kind of weak ankles, say, if you go and walk a, across a, a rocky stretch of ground, you know, you're in for trouble, right? If you, you might hobble and stumble and you already have this vulnerability and you might hurt yourself and you might fall down and, and the already lame might become disabled, as the, as the scripture says here. But what's the advice? It says, make level paths for your feet. Make level paths for your feet. And in fact, you might not trip, you might not stumble, you might even be healed. You might be something that you never were. Isn't that a wonderful idea? And scripturally, spiritually, the application here is that we can make it easier for God to do his work in our life. We can partner with him by removing stumbling blocks in our lives. You know, there's another way to to put this. uh, Before Jesus came as a human being, Uh, His cousin, John the Baptist, was preaching in the wilderness and he knew that the Messiah was coming and he he said, make straight paths for him. Prepare your heart, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. So we've had this reference to level paths already. Now, how about straight paths? If you, you and I want God to do something in our lives, right? We want him to come in and do something profound to change us, to to carry on with this mighty work of sanctification. But do you want him to imagine if if he was sort of on the other side of Wellington or wherever you live and and he said, I want to come and visit you. Would you say, "Uh, great, but could you go past the grocery store first? And that's way over there or or the mechanics or, or run an errand or something. Or would you like him to come straight into your life? Would you like him to come straight and direct to you? I think we would, right? So how do we make level paths? How do we make straight paths? How do we get rid of stumbling blocks in our lives and make it easier for God to do his work? This is how we can practically partner with him in the work of sanctification. Well, we can do that in a number of ways. Firstly, we adopt a submissive uh, posture before God, heart attitude, and we say, God, the, the, one of the Psalms says, oh Lord, see if there's any, any uh, offensive way within me. Search me out, O oh Lord. We ask his spirit to seek us, to, 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 to reveal to, to, to ourselves what needs to change. Sinful habits that, that, that just need to go. We listen to the Spirit and we ask Him to reveal what needs to change. And when He starts knocking, when He starts knocking, we pay attention. And you and I both know sometimes He has to knock for a while, right? And He's knocking, He's knocking, He's knocking. And look, you've got to wake up. We need to submit ourselves to Him and let Him do the work. And let me say to you, you and I both know when we submit, it's better. (laughs) It's better. So get on with it. Um, The other thing here, here's the thing that I've been thinking about. Watch the pattern of your life. Watch the pattern of your life. Pay attention to when you step and you you step. You trip and you stumble and you fall. That was ironic, wasn't it? Pay attention to to the times you trip up. What's what's making that happen? What are you vulnerable to? Now, maybe that means, is is it a TV show that you watch that pollutes your thoughts and leads you into, into bad places? Or is it, is it an author that you read? Or, or maybe it's, it's something that, that has never thrown you off in those kinds of ways, but all of a sudden it is. 
and you'd like to say, well, it's kind of okay, isn't it? It's been all right. Go to war with sin. Go to war with it. Cut it out. Maybe it's someone, a person or a relationship that maybe you need to take out of your life. I know that's hard. You should think about that if that's so. Uh, Finally, what I would say is uh, it it could be as simple as going to bed early because you know that when you are tired and you're alone, you're more vulnerable to sin. Make straight paths for him. Pay attention to the pattern of your life. Listen to what he has to say. Listen to, pay attention to what he's putting his finger on and, and submit to him. Allow him to do the work. Is it hard? Yes. It is brutal. This is brutally, brutally hard. I want to encourage you, if you're feeling that way, you are not alone. It's tough, all right? Let's be honest about that. Uh, Paul even said this. He said, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate to do, well, that's what I do. So I find this law at work. This principle, what I want to, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I want to do it. I want to do what's right. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Don't you feel that way sometimes? For sure. Here's the good news. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul gets it. It is super frustrating. It is super annoying. But the truth is, we don't have to be discouraged. God has won the victory. He has done enough. And here is another wonderful scripture. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion at the, until the day of Christ Jesus. You do not have to be afraid that it's going to stop because God is doing it and he is committed to keep going, to bring to completion the work of sanctification, this changing of your character and your life that he has promised you. He is going to do it. You know, I wonder if you are feeling discouraged in your struggle with sin. You know, that's normal. We all go through that at times. But I want to gently encourage you that, you know, maybe it's time to pack up the pity party and understand that the Lord has done enough. His cross is enough. His blood is enough. And sure as anything, his resurrection life is enough and you have it. If you have given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have submitted yourself to him and said, you know what? I am a wretched person. I am captive to this sin. And you have said, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. He says, awesome. And I'm going to give you a new life. And I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I am going to change you day after day after day after day. He is good enough to do it. Will you trust in him today? Will you trust in his word? Because he wants to complete that work. You know, I want to give you again the assurance of scripture today, which is that sin is no longer your master. Did you hear that? Sin is no longer your master. You died to it. Sure, we all trip up sometimes, but it no longer has ultimate power. And so count yourselves dead to sin but alive in Christ Jesus.
I want to finish uh, today with this point that, that Jamie has already made, actually. He's made it wonderfully. You know, we can fixate on how I'm going in the moment, but there's a bigger pattern that we need to step back and see sometimes. And in, in the book of Proverbs, we see it. It says, The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. Isn't that a beautiful verse? It's like that first pinprick of light on the horizon when the sun is rising. And, and things can seem a bit dim and murky, but the promise of God is that the sun is going to come up all the way in your life. You will have this complete uh, work of sanctification. You will be completely transformed. You know, many years ago, I had aspirations of being the world's best flute player. Uh, and those were, those were dashed pretty promptly when I first picked up a flute. I couldn't even make that thing make a sound. <laughs> Anyone who's tried this, a maddening thing. Yeah, I'm going to try this, try this new thing. You can't even do it. You can't even do the most basic of thing, things. <laughs> but the cool thing is, is that when you apply yourself, you get, you get better at that, right? And you become capable at it. And then you start to play a few notes and you start to play a few runs and, and all of a sudden you can play the flute. <laughs> the, the idea here is that Sometimes, eventually, uh, in a spiritual sense, things that sometimes seem hard for us become easier. That God gives us increasing victory. And it can always feel hard because we're always struggling against something. We're always pushing to go further in our walk with God. And that is a good thing. So don't be discouraged if you're finding something hard. But be encouraged that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion that it'll be like the dawn rising, it'll be like the sun rising. And yeah, sometimes there's a few clouds, but God has promised it's going to be a great day. And so remember, sin is not your master. Keep at it. You've been given, the, given that medal. You have crossed the line. You've been justified. You've been predestined. You are on the way. Keep at it, and I'll see you at the finish line.